Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Go ahead and turn your Bible to Matthew 5. I've been, uh, just last week, started a series called Grace on the Mount. And uh, I'm excited to dive in here. We'll, st- we'll pick up at verse 17, kind of around where we left off last week. Matthew 5, verse 17 And my first point is this, that only Jesus can fulfill the law. Um, If you think you can fulfill the law, then you're wrong. Only Jesus can do that. Matthew 5, 17, it says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Say, to fulfill. I love that word, to fulfill. That's a powerful word. Matthew really loved fulfillment. Yeah, I actually um, started doing a study earlier today on all the times Matthew said that it might be fulfilled, and I got really excited. He, he, he says that it might be fulfilled at least a dozen times. Matthew loved Bible prophecy, and he loved it because it proves that the Bible is true. If you have any doubts about the Bible, the accuracy of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, go do a study uh, through Matthew, just just search the, the, the words that it might be fulfilled through Matthew and look at all the times that Matthew draws out that it might be fulfilled that, and, it, and it points to Jesus. Amen. Prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea. It's super powerful. And I think I'm going to have to do a teaching on it sometime. I kind of wanted to dive in it tonight, but I had a feeling that I wouldn't have time tonight to go through all those that it might be fulfilled scriptures. But when I look at it, I get super excited and I think, how could anyone doubt that the Bible is true. The Bible is true. Jesus is true. He's full of grace. He's full of truth. Amen. That it might be fulfilled. Jesus did not come to destroy the law or the prophets, but to fulfill it. He fulfills all of Scripture. He fulfills the law as well. Verse 18, For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm sure when he said that uh, line right there, verse 20, people's ears perked up. They, 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 they knew who the Pharisees were. They knew who the scribes were. They knew that they lived very strictly according to law. And here's Jesus saying, unless your righteousness exceeds their righteousness, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's, that's a, a very big statement. And, and I'm going to show you that, that um, you know, the, the next um, part of Matthew 5 here, Jesus is not adding to the law. He's just showing that even if you keep the law, like the scribes and Pharisees keep the law, it doesn't make you righteous. It doesn't make you perfect. You can't do it. You cannot, you cannot complete the law on your own. Amen? You cannot fulfill the law on your own. There's only one person who can complete the law, only one person who can fulfill the law. So Jesus isn't adding to the law. He's not being really legalistic. He's showing that the law will not make you who you truly are. The law will not transform you. The law will not redeem you. The law will not make you right before God. And I love this quote that I saw um, from a a teacher at Karis Bible College, Arthur Menges. He said this, The law only breeds two things, defeat if you're honest, hypocrisy if you're not. (laughs) 
And I think that's what Jesus is trying to point out here in the rest of Matthew 5, that even if you keep the law and you think you're keeping the law, really, if you're being honest, you're defeated. And if you're not being honest, you're, you're a hypocrite. And that's why Jesus used that term quite often, hypocrite. And he gives um, six examples um, from the law how if you think you're keeping it, it doesn't make you righteous. And I think it's kind of interesting that he, he chooses six examples from the law. Six, you know, if, if you're kind of into studying these types of things, six is, the, is a number of a man. It's a number of imperfection. Um, he's showing that, that the, man, the law plus man equals failure. The law plus Jesus equals fulfillment. That's kind of my conclusion. I skipped ahead. I'll get back to it. It'll make sense here in a second. So Jesus, as he's going through these six examples of the law, he's not, he's not like making the law more strict for us, and we all have to follow this verbatim. If so, a lot of us will have to leave without arms tonight, leave without eyes tonight, you know, be, you know, get, buy some fireproof clothes. That's not what he's saying. He's not adding to the law. He's showing that, that if you follow the law, it doesn't make you righteous. And he's showing here also a really important point. This is my next point here. It's, it's not what you do, but it's why you do it. God's after your heart. He's interested in your heart. It's not just what you do. It's why you do it. And when you read, when you read any, any verse, any chapter, you have to tie it to the entirety of the Bible. So I'm going to tie what I just said to the entirety of Scripture. I'm going to, I'm going to tie a revelation that the Apostle Paul had. It's not just what you do, but why you do it. That's what Jesus was trying to say. That's the revelation the Holy Spirit gave Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging, clanging cymbal. He said, I could, I could be the most eloquent, the, the, the best preacher, the have, have, you know, be a best-selling author. But if I don't have the right heart, it's like sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. He says, though I have the gift of prophecy. I like that he said it, it's just a gift. Some people have gifts, but if they don't have the right heart, it's, it's not a good combination. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, some people can get, can get puffed up with their faith. Though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. I love that Paul uses that, that phrase, I can remove mountains. Paul studied the Gospels. Paul studied everything that the, the, the disciples wrote about the life and ministry of Jesus. He said, even if I had all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Without Jesus, without his love, without his grace, without him, without his righteousness, you're nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. It's not just what you do, but why you do it. God's after your heart. Amen? And that's what Jesus is showing with these six examples. You could follow these six examples, uh, really, and he's just picking out six from the Old Testament, from the law, but it applies to, to any one of the over 600 laws. 
Even if you just follow the law verbatim, it doesn't make you a righteous person. Paul had that revelation. He said, concerning the law, I was blameless. And he said that with his, you know, pre-Christ understanding of the law. Because he actually broke this first example that Jesus talks about, talking about thou shalt not murder. Paul thought he kept the law perfectly, even though he was a murderer. He murdered, you know, Stephen. But in his mind, he kept the law perfectly, and and the, the murders that he committed were justified. The law will, will screw up your brain. Legalism will screw up your brain. Christians, and, and there are very legalistic non-Christians as well. Wokeism is a very legalistic, a very high extreme form of legalism. And it screws up people's brains. Wokeism basically makes people think that they are God. And that the mob, the, the majority, the whoever is part of their religion is, is, is God. There is no God, therefore we are God. I was listening to a really interesting discussion between um, Jordan Peterson, who's a conservative intellectual, and John Lennox. He's one of my favorite Christian apologists. And John Lennox was bringing, bringing out you know, how the culture is very similar today to the you know, Roman Empire from 2,000 years ago, but it's worse today. 2,000 years ago, just the Caesars thought they were God. But now, everyone thinks they're God. Every atheist, every woke person, every thinks that their God, whatever they think, is true. And that their God, and he was saying this is much more dangerous because rather than just one person who thinks they're God, you have millions of people who think they're God. And that they can decide what's right and what's wrong, that they can declare morality, that they are above all else. It's not just what you do, but why you do it. God is after your heart. All right, verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. So some of you who might have a little bit of legalism still, and you might think, like the people listening to Jesus preach this message, okay, good, I'm safe, I haven't murdered anyone. And again, Jesus isn't adding to the law. Because people got saved by grace. People got saved by faith in Jesus, including the Apostle Paul, who was a murderer. He broke verse 21 here. And Jesus is saying in verse 22, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. There is a judgment. Say there is a judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool. I, I know some very awesome people who, who call people fools from the pulpit. They even say, how dumb can you be? And still breathe. <laughs> you shall be in danger of hell fire. Say hell fire. And some people say there, there is no judgment. There is no Hell, you know, Jesus, when he you know, said the word hell, he's talking about Gehenna, and the word there for hell is Gehenna, but he also puts fire right next to it. The hell is a reality. You know, Jesse Duplantis was here Saturday night, and he said the word hell, hell and people kind of, how dare you say hell in church? He's like, it's not a cuss word, it's a destination. Jesus is saying it's a destination, and there's fire there. I've been, to, I've been to Jerusalem. I've, been, I've seen Gehenna. 
It's a valley outside of Jerusalem. And um, Jews won't go there today, right? Today there is a park there that only Arabs go to, that only Muslims go to. Jews don't go there. And they don't go there, it's, be, it's because they, they believe that thousands of years ago, the Canaanites sacrificed children to Molech there. And when Jesus is saying, you know, he describes hell as Gehenna, this, this is a very, you don't want to end up there. You don't want to go there. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to go to this Gehenna, hell, or to this place of fire. And the result of it is, is the result of judgment. When people start throwing out truth of, of the word of God, you start losing out on the power of God. You need to be very careful of descending outside of orthodox doctrine, orthodox Christianity. When you start picking and choosing what verses of the Bible you want to believe. You have to believe all of it. Because tell, tell me one church that, that, that throws out chunks of scripture, that throws out main Christian doctrinal points that has the power of God flowing, that you see signs and miracles and wonders. You can't, I can't, show me one. Show me one miracle, show me one sign, show me one wonder from a church where, where the pastor is heretical. Truth and grace, the power of God, go together. Verse 23, Jesus says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. He's saying God's after your heart. It's not just I haven't murdered anyone. God wants you to to have a, a pure heart before other people. He wants you to be able to reconcile and not be just constantly offended and and just holding things against other people all the time. It limits his power. It limits his grace in your life. God's heart is for reconciliation. Verse 25, it says, agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. He's saying, if you're going to be judgmental to others, you're going to receive that same judgment back. If you're going to be legalistic to your brother, you're going to, receive, you're going to reap what you sow. If you're going to hold things against your brother, then, then you're, it's going to be held against you until you pay back that last penny. He's saying that there is a better way. And that, that way, God's heart is ultimately, ultimately reconciliation. Amen? All right, verse 2. Some of you can say, I'm glad I'm not a murderer. But many of you are, you know, verse 22, maybe you called someone, you idiot, or something like that. You better go buy your fireproof suit. Stop by the, you know, fire station and ask for a helmet and that suit. And so Jesus isn't making it law 2.0. He's just showing that even if you keep the law, the law cannot change your heart. Only grace can change your heart. Only understanding God's true heart of grace can change your heart. Amen? Verse 2. The second example of, of how just keeping the law does not make you a righteous person. That's a good statement. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Some of you are saying, yes, I, I've passed that test. I'm not even married. Of course, I haven't committed adultery. I preached this, you know, 
six years ago before I was married and I was like, yes, there's no way for me possibly to commit adultery because I'm not even married. Verse 20, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. God is looking at the heart. He's after the heart. The law cannot change your heart. It cannot transform you. Only grace has the power to transform you. Legalism will not transform you. It says, you know, if you're going to be really legalistic, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. Everyone here has their right eye. Pluck it out, cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Man, Jesus is using that word hell quite a bit here. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. Everyone wave your right hand at me. All right, most of you are waving your right hand. I hope some of you haven't cut off your own right hand. Cast it from you, for it is more profitable for, for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. So he's saying just keeping the law does not make you a righteous person. It does not make you right before God. Verse 3. And I've seen people take random verses, and especially ones out of here, and really beat people with this. And, and, and again, if, if you're going to beat people with any one of these, these verses, you need to, to use the other verses on yourself. Right? If you're going to take 30, verse 32 and beat people over the head with it, you need to do everything else that's spoken here in Matthew 5. So many of you need to cut off your right hand, pluck out your right eye, go buy your fireproof suits. You called someone an idiot. Verse 31, furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. So he's saying just keeping the law does not make you a righteous person. You know, God's heart wasn't, it, it, God's heart is for, for, for man to be joined to a woman and to remain there so. And, and because of, of just problems in the law, it was permitted for people to, to get a certificate of divorce. So someone could get a certificate of divorce, and actually, according to the law, you could, you could, get a, you could divorce 100 people, and according to the law, still be following the law, correct? Lawyers back then, according to the law of Moses, they're like lawyers today. They, 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 they know how to twist things, know how to, 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 you know, hey, this guy... He's had a hundred wives, but he gave each one a certificate of divorce. Therefore, he has kept the law. But Jesus here is saying, just, just if you're following that, that, that obviously does not make you a righteous person. Most of us here would say if someone has, has been divorced a hundred times, you, you would say there's, there's a problem going on. And, and, you know, look in the mirror. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Verse 32, but I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. So he's not, he's not saying to go beat everyone's head with verse 32. And there, there are entire denominations that, that do that, where, where, where people who have been divorced can't even receive communion, 
or be full members of that church. But, but to those priests and pastors, are, do you still have your right hand? Do you still have your right eye? Jesus is just showing that even if you keep the law, it does not make you a righteous person, right? He's saying even if you keep the law, just like the Pharisees, just like the scribes, your righteousness has to go beyond theirs. And he's pointing people to the fulfillment of the law, which is himself. You are not the fulfillment of the law. Your performance is not the fulfillment of the law. You doing everything that is spoken in Deuteronomy, Leviticus, is not how you get to God. That is not how you are saved. Amen. Fourth example of how just keeping the law does not save you, does not change you, does not transform you. Verse 4, again you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. I love that. Jerusalem is the city of the great king, capitalized. It is the city of Jesus, the king of kings. Verse 36, nor shall you swear by your head because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. He's saying if people can't trust your word, then it doesn't really matter what you swear by or... You know, I I just kind of realized, you know, the, the longer I've lived life, you know, it... Here on earth, you have to have contracts. I remember when I bought a house with Heather, there's like 100 pages of contracts. You have to sign your name 50 times, an initial here, an initial there. And, and um, bank, banks just don't, just don't want to hear you say, I will pay for this house. But he, he's saying just, just following the law isn't enough. Verse 5, you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. A lot of people like that one. I didn't start this fight, but I'm going to finish it. (laughs) And a lot of people like to take this law and and apply it to current situations. And they say, well, well, in this attack, 1,500 people have died, but in a counterattack, more people have died. Therefore, it is unjust. People, people are, are, think that way. I saw someone you know, present that argument to someone in a debate, and he had an interesting reply. He said, you know, in, in World War II, you know, the Nazis killed this many people, but in the counterattack, two million civilians were killed in Dresden, Germany. And he was saying, what was that unjust? He brought up an interesting point. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But he says, I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And again, Jesus isn't just saying just to to, to let everyone beat you up and rob you. And he's talking about issues of the heart here. And he's just saying that, that just following the law verbatim does not make you a righteous person. 
Verse 41, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Verse 6, the, the, the last example here. It's kind of interesting. I, I love the way Jesus phrases this, and it's probably how people phrased it 2,000 years ago. He, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And in, in my translation here in New King James, you shall love your neighbor is italicized because that is a direct quote from the Old Testament. But the saying was, you shall love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. People kind of added another phrase to the law. They said, hey, it's, you have to love your neighbor, but you can hate your enemy. That's a, that's a slick, you know, lawyer trick. Well, well, the law didn't say this, so it's permitted to do this. Verse 44, he says, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You know, again, that... that just following the law and trying to, to just justify yourself by the law does not mean you're righteous. Because you can twist things. You can say, well, who is my neighbor, right? People would ask Jesus that. Who is my neighbor? And he did a whole teaching, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, to talk about who was the good neighbor. Because people probably thought, well, I live out in the country. I'm, a, I'm two miles away from anyone. I don't have any neighbors, that's why, that's why a lot of people today live out in the country, because they don't want neighbors, and they just want to be by themselves and don't get close to me, be far away, because I just hate everybody. And it's okay if I hate everybody, because I have no neighbors. Who's your neighbor? He's just saying, if you just, just follow that verbatim, it does not make you a righteous person. Verse 46, he says, For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. So he's saying, even if you keep the law, you're still on the same level as a tax collector. You're still... Basically, you're all sinners in need of a Savior. Verse 47, And if you greet your brethren only, what do you... Do more than others, do not even the tax collectors do so. And verse 48 is kind of the, the nail in the coffin here. He says, if any one of you who've come to hear me, probably thousands of people are gathered here for this Sermon on the Mount. If any one of you thinks that you're justified by the law, that you're right before God according to the law, he who is without sin... Throw the first stone. This is a message Jesus preached a lot. He says, therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. If you think you're righteous, if you think you're saved, if you think you're good enough, just according to the law, you have to be just as perfect as our Father in heaven, as God Almighty. And he, I, I'm sure just the, the, the wind went out of people's lungs when he said that. And I love, I love that conclusion to his first part of his message because he's starting to point everyone to himself. He's, he's showing people that, that just living according to law is not enough. 
Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's go to Romans 3, verse 19. Romans 3, verse 19. And this is what Jesus was doing in Matthew 5. He was trying to shut people up. He was taking the law and he was adding to it, showing what the heart behind it is, what true perfection before God is. And if you think you are perfect on your own, according to your own, perfect, per, to, to your own performance, Jesus was shutting people up. Right? Romans 3, verse 19, it says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. That's what Jesus was doing in Matthew 5. He was stopping everyone from running their mouth. And all the world, who's all the world? It's the tax collectors, it's the, the prostitutes, it's the Romans, it's the scribes, it's the Pharisees, it's the woke people, it's people who go to church, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Verse 20, therefore, by the deeds of the law, by performing according to the law, whatever law may be the law of Moses, may be the law of woke people, may be the law of by the deeds of any law, no one can be justified in God's sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And even people who aren't born into Christian homes, even people who, people have a, a, a sense that, that is inherent in them, a law that's written in their hearts. Paul talks about that in Romans 1, that even people have a law that's written in their hearts, and how that should be pointing them to God. The, the, the one who, who's the author of morality. For by the law is the, the knowledge of sin. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law. Say, apart from the law. So this righteousness of God cannot be mixed with the law. That's what Jesus was showing, that, that the, the righteousness that he's ushering in cannot be mixed with the law. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed. I love this. The same thing that Jesus was doing, Paul is, is doing, that, that, that the law and the prophets point to Jesus, point to, to God's plan for righteousness, point to God's plan for changing people's life. That's why I love Matthew. I love that Matthew recorded that sermon on the mountain verbatim, that it might be fulfilled. Jesus fulfills the law. Jesus fulfills the prophets. If you don't believe the Bible is true, study, study every that it might be fulfilled verse in Matthew. It is so powerful. These verses written 400 years before Jesus. That he'd be born of a virgin, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would come out of Egypt. That there be a great wailing in Ramah, that Rachel, who was buried in Bethlehem, would be wailing for her children. After Herod slaughtered innocent lives, innocent children.
I'm very proud of the, the House of Representatives that shut up a certain congresswoman from Michigan. And 22 Democrats joined the Republicans in shutting her up. They voted that she has to shut up. Hallelujah! Because she was shouting, from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. She was calling for the extermination of Jewish people. Hallelujah! And thank God that 22 Democrats had the courage to shut her up. Man, there is still some, some prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled. Amen. And they are all going to be fulfilled. Every word of the Bible is true. The law and the prophets pointed to this in verse 22. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. I love that we sing about the blood of Jesus tonight. Amen. Through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. Jesus was saying in Matthew 5, no one can boast. Paul realized, I thought I kept the law perfectly, but I cannot boast in it. My righteousness that I thought I had, it is as filthy rags. My boast, my pride, it has been destroyed by the grace of Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith. You are justified by faith. And the uncircumcised through faith. Jews and Gentiles. Everyone, the only way to be justified is by faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. The law. I want to give you a, four, a few points about the law and about faith in Jesus. From here in, in Romans 3, and whenever you go back and study, read through your Bible, read, you come to Matthew 5, I want you to go read Romans 3 in conjunction with it. It makes so much sense together. The law can stop every mouth. It can shut up everybody. It eliminates self-pride and self-boasting. The law, number two, proves that all the world is guilty before God. Everyone is guilty before God. The law, point number three, brings the knowledge of sin. Sin is a real thing. Evil is a real thing. This, this kind of woke, you know, I am God. Every, you know, 
There is no God, therefore I am God. They say that therefore there is no sin. There is sin in the world today. On October 7th, you just saw pure, unadulterated sin and evil. There is no other way to explain it. And of course, any, any group of people, any government, any should, it is righteousness to stand up for, for, for life and to retaliate. Yes, it is. And people who, who, who say there should not be retaliation, they are evil and full of sin themselves. And I'm glad that some of these people have been shut up. The law brings the knowledge of sin. The law number four proves that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Here in Romans 3, we see about faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus, number one, reveals the righteousness of God. Faith in Jesus, number two, brings us into the glory of God. Legalism will not bring you into the glory of God. It will not usher in the power of God. It will not even transform someone and empower them to live a holy life. Only grace can do that. Only faith in Jesus can do that. Faith in Jesus, number three, justifies us freely. Faith in Jesus, number four, establishes the law. It establishes the law because our faith is in Jesus, the one who fulfills it. Faith in Jesus, number five, it works for anybody, anywhere, anytime. The law will not work for anyone. The law does not work for anybody. It does not work in any location at any time. It does not work. But faith in Jesus works for anybody, anywhere, anytime. So going back to Jesus' conclusion to Matthew 5, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. How can you be perfect? And Jesus says you have to be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. You cannot be a sinner. You cannot, you have to be a saint. You have to be as righteous as God, as righteous as Jesus, as righteous as the Father, as perfect as the Father. How can you be, how can you be that way? Only through faith in the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 14 says this, for by one offering, he has perfected forever. Say perfected forever. Those who are being sanctified. So in conclusion, the law plus man equals failure. The law plus Jesus equals fulfillment. That's why I love reading Leviticus. I love reading Deuteronomy. Because I look at it in the entirety of Scripture. And it all points to Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals righteousness. Amen? We've heard that gospel equation before. I like the other equations I added in there. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The law plus man equals failure. The law plus Jesus equals fulfillment. 
Amen. Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.